0: on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of god now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all than all we ask or imagine according to his power that it is work and within us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus through all generations forever and ever amen this is the word of the Lord right that wasn't embarrassing at all Um, do turn back to Ephesians let me find where I am Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, now that I've blown my nose let's pray Father thank you so much that your word is powerful and that you love us immeasurably more than all we ask uh, than than we can imagine and so father we ask by your great power that through your word you would open our hearts strengthen us in our inner beings that we might grasp more of your love for us this morning for jesus sake amen imagine a church where everyone feels loved by god and loved by everybody else where not a single person feels left out Imagine a church where everyone is joyfully using their gifts to build the body of Christ up. Maybe not in the place that they would like to, but in the place where they're needed. Imagine a place where people are thrilled to let go of their preferences, where they're happy uh, that they don't get what they want because it means somebody else gets what they want. So we don't, the place where people don't demand their favorite song or demand that the the guitars are cranked up or or the drums are muffled Uh, but we just want what other people want consider a church where the kind of odd person the unpopular person is just as much at the center of things as the outgoing friendly vivacious person friends imagine a church like that wouldn't it be wonderful and I think here on our best days we get a taste of that don't we And yet on our worst days, uh, it seems that uh, there's a gap between what we long to be and what we are. Well, Paul has given us, hasn't he, these last uh, few weeks, a sweeping vision of the church, of uh, the people rescued from uh, God's wrath, and Brought together into God's family under Christ Jesus a place where there is no division There is no division of Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter whether what race people are It doesn't matter how popular they are all the insider and outsider things are gone That's Paul's vision and maybe as we've heard it. We thought well, it sounds wonderful But it's a pipe dream mentioned last week Martin Luther King's dream uh, of little black boys and black girls who would hold hands with little white girls and white boys as brothers and sisters and I said his dream had failed but somebody might equally say well hang on hasn't Paul's dream failed that 2,000 years later churches still fall out churches are still often places where there's insiders and outsiders hasn't Paul's dream failed oh what would paul say to that well our section is a bridge he's given us this amazing theology of the church it, it, it's wonderful isn't it we can't help but marvel and then in chapter four which we'll look at next week he begins to give practical instructions he knows that the church in ephesus uh, in Christchurch, church in every place doesn't live up to that and so he gives instructions and the thrust of the instructions is keep the unity Be what you are. You're united. Be united. Love one another more and more. But Paul knows it's not enough just to teach the theology, and it's not just enough to exhort people. Try harder. Be more disciplined. No, if this is to happen, we need God's help. And so in this bridging section, he prays, and he prays fervently for the church to be what he's told us we are. For god's help to do this and i take it he prays it for the church in ephesus but he writes it down so that we too would fervently pray that we would be what we are and uh, there are three things i want to draw out and i hope we'll see more of what we are but i hope we'll also go away longing to pray like this The, the three things are this first paul prays for power power that jesus would transform us from the inside out it's verses 14 to 17. Then for power to grasp the great extent of Christ's love for us, verses 18 and 19. And then, he, thirdly, he prays to a powerful God who is able to do more than we ask or imagine, to do what seems impossible. Well, the first thing I want to look at is this, that Paul prays for power that Jesus would transform us from the inside out. And look at verse 14. Paul says, For this reason... I kneel before the Father. What reason? Because of all that He's taught us that we are one in Christ, that we're reconciled to God by the cross, and we're reconciled to each other in a new humanity. For that reason, I kneel before the Father. And this idea of kneeling, I think, suggests earnestness. Jews normally would pray standing up, and yet here Paul falls on his knees and he pleads with God. He's earnest, and it doesn't really matter how we pray. Some might like to pray kneeling down, others standing up, others lying on their couches. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we're earnest, I think Paul would say, and particularly that we earnestly pray for the church for St. Stephen's. But what does he pray? He prays for strength. Verse 16, I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The translation here is a little bit unfortunate. It sounds like we need the Holy Spirit to give us this power so that Christ can come and dwell. And I think actually, and the commentators all say this, that actually it's two sides of the same coin. It's the Holy Spirit is coming and strengthening us in our inner being, which is Christ dwelling in our hearts, that Christ by the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts, if you like. And to be, what does it mean to be strengthened? What does it mean for Christ to dwell in our hearts? It means for him to take us and make us his own. It means that Christ by the Holy Spirit would be the controlling presence of our lives, and someone will say, but don't we have the Holy Spirit? Don't we have Christ dwelling in our hearts already? That's a good question. And the answer, of course, is yes. The moment we believed in Jesus, the glorious truth is the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in our hearts that through him we have Christ dwelling in us. But this word dwell is a strong word. It's not um, the kind of word you'd use if you are going off for a couple of days to an Airbnb. It's not go for a, a long weekend. It's make it your home. Make it your permanent dwelling um, i saw a, an advert on trade me for a house the other day and it was a kind of advert that says it's a great home but needs modernization it's a great house with great potential which read between the lines means it's a dump and you need to fix it up and uh, maybe maybe you somebody here has bought a house like that and you move in and and it's it, as soon as you move in it's your home isn't it but the walls are Kind of scruffy and need painting and, and maybe fixing the holes in the walls and the garden's a bit of a dump and and it's your home but it's not how you like it and over time you fix the hole in the wall and you put a slightly nicer kitchen in and you paint the walls or whatever you do and there comes a time when you say now this really is my home it's how i like it and i think it's a similar way that when christ comes and enters our ha- our hearts it, it, we're a mess aren't we The garden's full of rubbish, and the the walls are covered in some terrible wallpaper. And we're full of sin, aren't we? And yet over time, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ comes to dwell in our hearts in the sense of making us his home. He changes us, controls us, helping us to love what he loves. The prayer is a bit like this great hymn. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. And you see, as Christ comes and dwells in our hearts, we, we long for what he wants. We love what he loves. We desire what he desires. And that's so important if the church is to be the church, that we individually long for what Christ wants. A friend of mine, preached at at a wedding and he preached a sermon that began began along the lines of this. Uh, When two, Remember this is a wedding uh, and this is quite a famous preacher so you'd think what an odd thing to do but he's a famous preacher so I take he knows what he's doing. Uh, But it's a beautiful wedding and he says well it's amazing that there's any happiness for these two. That two sinners are coming together and do you know what? They ought to be miserable. Imagine saying that at at a, a wedding. It's extraordinary isn't it? But actually, there's something deeply true, isn't there? That two sinners coming together with all of our selfishness, and it's only as we're like Christ, only as we love what Christ loves and serve each other, that the marriage works. Well, if that's true of marriage with two sinners, how much more so of the church with 200 sinners? That we all come here with our own sinful desires and it's extraordinary when it works and it only works to the extent that we're like jesus and we love one another and let go of what we want and love what he wants and i marvel and praise that in this last year of great trial many hard things people working very hard and under pressure that we have been able to love one another it's extraordinary and i take it that's because god is helping us and we need to keep praying we need to pray all the more that we individually and corporately would have power from God, that Christ would dwell in our hearts, that we'd be transformed more and more like him. Well, that's the first thing that Paul prays, for power, that Christ would dwell in our hearts, change us from the inside out. But then secondly, he prays for power to grasp Christ's love for us. Look at verse uh, 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I don't know about you, but I don't associate love and power. And Paul is saying God's love is so extraordinary, so overwhelming, that unless you have power from God, you cannot grasp it. It's a remarkable thing to say, isn't it? And... It's even more remarkable because he does say, you do know this love. Look at 17, the Ephesians, and we are rooted and established in love. And yet Paul says, you need to know it more. And in one sense, it seems a bit rude. Paul, are you saying we don't know that that Jesus loves us enough? And Paul says, yes, you don't know the love of Jesus enough. And so he prays that we may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That Christ loves us so much that whether we go forward or backwards or up to the heights or down to the depths we can never get out of the sphere of his love That the love that Christ showed us on the cross as he hung there under God's wrath that we might be reconciled to his father that he gave away everything left the joys and glories of heaven for us that we know what that means truths that we know in our heads we grasp it deep within us that the love of christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind long enough to last for eternity deep enough to reach down to the most degraded sinner and high enough to lift him to the heights of heaven it's massive and we cannot get our heads around it and so paul prays we know it and you see praise that we know something that is in a sense surpassing knowledge not that it's devoid of knowledge not that this is some kind of ecstatic experience outside of what we know but it's certainly meant to make us feel something isn't it milton's written uh, the the weekly word uh, this week and i can encourage you to read it uh, but uh, he he's mentioned that milton here milton is here the the three thousand sermons that he's heard and, and not remembered well not remember he doesn't tell us how many is remembered but the implications not very many and um it reminded me of a letter to the to a church newspaper where a man wrote and said "Um, my wife has fed me 30,000 meals in my marriage and I don't remember a single one of them but they've kept me alive and there's a sense that if if the goal of the sermon is for us to to remember then then Milton's really dropped the ball and probably so have the 3,000 preachers who preach those sermons but of course the goal is not just knowledge it's not just remembering is it it's that we feast on Christ that we'd keep going that we'd grow in love and knowledge that not that we remember that the sermon but that we see the glory of God Martin Lloyd-Jones I'm told used to, to like famous preacher in London used to, to like people to begin the sermon taking notes but he, he says something that he felt slightly disappointed if by the end people were still taking notes because he wanted them to be not in a lecture but to be caught up in the glory of Christ And there's something wonderful about that isn't it this love that surpasses knowledge and I take it that's why there is something different than a lecture and there is something different about listening to a sermon here where we sing the songs that Aaron and grace choose so well that help us to meditate on on who God is and on his love for us Uh, and that's different than just listening at home on on the mp3 and that's why as as Milton goes on we need things like poems and uh, and liturgy that help us to dwell on these truths because we can't just express this in, in in pure prose it's beyond simple knowledge and you sense paul reaching for that don't you with these words the height and depth the length and the breadth he's, he's grasping out remind me slightly of uh, of john wesley uh, just wasn't this is not uh, don't mishear me this is not some ecstatic experience outside of what we know this is comes through knowing comes through the scriptures but uh, reminded me of john wesley who um, as he was hearing a lecture uh, a kind of sermon on on the book of romans felt his heart strangely warmed and wesley was an ordained minister at the time and the things he knew in his head suddenly made sense to him in his heart and he he burned with joy or, or Jonathan Edwards, a great Puritan thinker, who in 1737 goes off into a wood and uh, he, he goes out to do his quiet time and read the Bible and pray. And he says, This I had a view that was for me extraordinary of the glory of the Son of God and his wonderful, great, full, pure, and sweet grace and love. Now, the intensity of that experience is extraordinary, and Edwards himself says that. I don't think we're. To expect some extraordinary experience in the woods but the thrust of it we are that this is not just about knowing things in our head but that we would be overcome in our hearts with this love we know it deeply and to do that we need power I take it that Paul wouldn't encourage us to pray like this if he didn't expect God to answer it there's a big difference isn't there between knowing doctrine being able to teach doctrine even than to knowing the love of Christ in our hearts. I remember once uh, being in a meeting with, with a minister, who I, I guess you'd say in today's kind of language, is a kind of mentor of mine. And I remember coming out of the meeting, a much older man, and, uh, and saying to somebody, if I'm to be, I, w- I was a young, young guy, if I'm g- gonna be a minister one day, I need to know the Bible like he does. And this lady I said it to, who's 65, full of wisdom, said, he doesn't just know the Bible, he knows Jesus doesn't just know the Bible knows Jesus and do we see the difference and do we see why it's key because if we grasp this then if God gives us his power to grasp his love for us then verse 19 we will be uh, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God that is to say God will so pour out his grace on us that we will be able to be what Christ wants us to be holy like God is holy like Christ who is the fullness of God and, of course, as the church, we need that, don't we? If we're to fill that great vision that Paul has given us, we need to be like Christ. And, friends, you see, we can't do it on our own. It's not enough just to study and read the Bible. It's not enough just to try harder. It's not enough just to be more disciplined. All of those things are essential, perhaps. But we need God to work in us by his power. And you see, when we do... How it changes us if i know god's love for me like this then i can be very very thick-skinned it doesn't matter if somebody in, in church is, is grumpy with me because i know in my heart of hearts that god loves me deeply it doesn't matter if uh, I, I don't need to fight for myself do i i can i can relax that god loves me so much i don't need to defend myself I, if i know that christ has loved me and served me in this way i'm able to serve you because i've been served and i know that deep down do you see why how this fits in ephesians this isn't just a a kind of prayer in unrelated to what he's saying this helps us be the church well maybe it still sounds impossible maybe we think that kind of church is still unimaginable well then finally look at who we're praying to third point paul prays to a powerful god who's able to do what seems impossible Look at verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us do you see he's sovereign over everything he can do absolutely anything anything if you can imagine it he can do better and we often don't we use this verse when we're praying And it's a great verse and i wonder do we believe this do we look at our problems and wonder They're too big. Would we a year ago have thought that we'd have a diocese? There were so many obstacles on the way, and yet God has done immeasurably more than we ask or imagine in that space. But do you see the implication? If God is able to do this, then we need to ask Him. He's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. We should ask, and we should be bold in our asking. There's a kind of logic that I I think goes uh, if God is so powerful, and if He can do anything, well, why do I bother praying he, he's so powerful he's so wise and clever and will do everything well what's little me with my prayers got to do with that and that logic is straight from the devil because God tells us to pray the way we the way God has set up the world the way God loves to unleash his power is through the prayers of his people now does he need to do it like that no of course not but that's the way he's set up the world and so we should pray but do you see in the context particularly what this power is doing it's about the church if you think that kind of church is impossible unimaginable well then that's good because god is in the business of doing what is impossible and unimaginable and you see it's all about the church do you see what it says about the power what kind of power the power that is already at work in us which is why on our best days we see it and and we rejoice and on our worst days we shouldn't despair because he's working and we should ask him more and more lord today it wasn't good i did feel like an outsider or maybe i felt someone like an outsider help us to be more like the church and then paul gives glory verse 21 to him be the glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen and i think he's reminding us that god is utterly committed to the church we've seen that so many times in ephesians haven't we it's god's plan for the center of the universe it's his eternal purpose to unite all things under christ and i think paul's saying god have the glory that you should have in the church and in christ there's no plan b that's where the glory will come so friends as we finish let me ask you this do we pray like this as we go to our small groups this week perhaps as we meet with a prayer partner do we pray like this there's so many things to pray for aren't there But do we have this lofty view of praying that God would change us like this? Or are we so focused on on the stress at work or or, or the sore back? Not that we can't pray for those things. Of course we should. But you see, if we grasp this great vision, if God does this in our hearts and shows us this love, well, that helps us with our back and our stress in in much more profound ways, doesn't it? And do we pray for St. Stephen's? I think this is so important do we pray for the church like this um there's two let me just encourage us with two ways to do that we've chris forrest worked really hard to put together this wonderful little prayer diary and it's got prayers for the church in it and if you didn't pick one up last week can i encourage you please grab one of these Uh, that we can use it to pray for the church and I think as I've prepared this this week I've been slightly rebuked at what I asked uh, Chris to put in it because uh, there's some great prayers in there but some of the ones I asked Chris to put in uh, that I wrote are, are a bit bit lame this is a wonderful view Paul's praying phenomenal things and I've kind of asked slightly humdrum things and I'll aim for next month to do better but do, you see, do we pray like this? Do, do you use the prayer diary? And then secondly, can I encourage you to come to the prayer meeting, because we need to pray for some St. teams. That's a place we can regularly pray together for the church, for mission partners, for the the new diocese. Because do we see it's not enough just to come here and hear the good sermon, or the bad sermon? Maybe hear a sermon. It's not enough just to go to Bible study and hear the, the knowledge, the doctrine. It's not enough even just to read a book or 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 to have someone exhort us to, to do better because unless god works we won't be able to do these things and the way god will work is if we ask him i'm an activist and so often i delude myself into thinking if i just work a bit harder or i just think a bit more clearly or i just put a few more hours in then i'll be able to make a change and paul says that's nonsense you might be able to at the margin But it's not just about knowing and it's not just about being told to do more it's about god working by his great power and the way god works by his great power is through us praying no there's no verse in the bible that says use a prayer diary or come to a prayer meeting but i think paul would say you need to pray for the church and if you're doing that somewhere else then god bless you but if like me you find it hard can i encourage you pick one of these up or come to the prayer meeting we need god to work and he promises he will And as we go into chapter 4 next week and the the weeks ahead, will we pray like this for St. Stephen's, that God would keep transforming us? And it's not a wasted prayer because we, brothers and sisters, are the center of God's plan for the universe, that all things will be united together under Christ. Isn't that absolutely wonderful? Let's just take a moment to reflect on what God has said to us individually, Uh, then I'll lead us in a prayer. And Margaret will follow with our intercessions Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would strengthen us with your power Strengthen us that we would know your great love for us that we'd grasp it deeply that there'd not be a single person here who doesn't know it and that we together would know it more and more and more And we pray, too, that you would strengthen us with power by your Spirit in our inner beings, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. Father, we long that that we would be changed and more and more like Jesus, secure in his love for us. And we long for it, that all the glory would go to you, that there'd be great glory in the church and great glory in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we ask, have your way with us. For Jesus' sake, amen.